Good morning everybody and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money pod and video cast. My name is Daniel Harrison, Chief Executive at True Potential and today I'm joined by Peter Bould, Head of Corporate Affairs, David Harrison, Group Chairman and Mark Henderson, Chief Executive of True Potential Investments. Uh, today's date's 14th of February, happy Valentine's Day everybody and really we've got two main themes we want to talk about today. Um, the first one's going to be a more overarching theme, which is the, the concept of connectivity. There's been two kind of connected connectivity themes uh, this week. HS2 has been given the green light, and also the coronavirus continues to talk on. So I'm going to ask our guests to talk a bit more about that today. Also yesterday, uh, a new cabinet uh, was announced by Boris Johnson's government, which has also meant a new chancellor as well. So we're going to get some insights from my, from my colleagues about that. So really, if we hand straight across to you, if you wouldn't mind, Peter, just to kick off really with, with HS2 and, and what was actually green-lighted yeah. this week. Well, they've, they've committed to, to going ahead with, with HS2. I think we said uh, two weeks ago on the podcast it would be it's such a huge sort of moment to not go ahead with it. If, you, if, you, if you've got this levelling up agenda, which is all about infrastructure and investment, to then sort of can your major projects would have been almost like a step too far, I think. So... Um, I'm not surprised it got the green light. I think it probably got the green light not because they're completely, utterly f- convinced it's a great idea. It's just probably what else are you going to do? We were chatting yesterday, weren't we, David, and saying, yeah. if, you know, what, is, what can you do instead? What is the other big infrastructure investment you yeah. can do in connectivity and transport if it's not HS2? There isn't something else sort of waiting in the wings. And do you think some of it, Peter, was because of the amount of money they've invested in HS2 so does Already, yeah, yeah, and there's, I think eight billion's already gone into it, which is actually a fraction compared to what's, yeah. what it's going to cost. Um, and I was looking at the, just recapping the, the timescales yesterday, and it is 2030 before it gets to Birmingham, 2040 before you see it in Leeds. I mean, it's, it's a huge project. And what you definitely know is by the time they finished it, there will be something else. Yeah. The, the, you, you look back and think, well, you could have done that instead. But the problem is today, there isn't an obvious other... Um, alternative, and we talked about could you do something on regional airports instead? Yeah. It throws in the Heathrow third runway mm-hmm. question, which politically for Boris is quite tricky, given what he said before. So I think probably in the end, I think as I said two weeks ago, sort of fifty-two forty-eight, it wins, and I think that's exactly what's happened. Got it. And David, you know somebody who's spent most of your work and life travelling around the country and around the world as well. What's your thoughts on CHS two in terms of the region they've, they've chose? You know, connecting say. London and Birmingham, and not say maybe focusing on you know being biased coming from the northeast myself, maybe focusing more on the east coastline and connecting Edinburgh, Newcastle, Leeds down to London better. I just I just wish you'd do a project that probably is going to finish in my lifetime. <laughs> the uh, it's good to look forward to twenty fourteen, twenty fifty, but you know so I would like I'd like to be on the train and come comes up to to Leeds because I'd be hundred and something. Uh, I think that. Um, the way they join up, Daniel, you've got, you, you, you've got Section 1 taking you past Birmingham, you've got Section 2A taking you then up to Manchester, 2B cutting across to Leeds, and then somehow it goes around a little bit of a corner run by York, then up to Newcastle. It doesn't get as far as that in high speed. I think that what, what is actually crying out is something... I, I'm, I'm with Peter uh, on the basis that um, they had to do something. They were committed to it in a way, and it's been trailing on. It's this is just another. I was talking to uh, a friend of yours 
who's not politically motivated at all, neither am I, and they just said, isn't it great we're doing something? Isn't it great? And was, you know, uh, without really knowing what it meant to him or her, mm-hmm. um, which actually, you know, I said, well, it's not going to mean that much difference to us in Newcastle, <coughs> um, uh, if, if at all, uh, and even if it did, it would be for yeah. a, a long term ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the, the, the wanting to do something, I think what, what's required for uh, Scotland is a really, really good train line. Um, uh, replacing the one, just going to on the same beds and everything, yeah. if you like, uh, that we've already got, because that mode of transport is pretty... That, that hasn't changed, actually, since the 19th century. Well, we, we have a non-executive director who travels down from Edinburgh. Mm here and you know we, we, we laugh because he's an easy target but yeah um, it's it, it's not much fun for him the, the travel experiences he has the regular delays no just the, the way it, he's almost getting bounced around in an old wackety engine mm-hmm. as well if we have to have meetings in London uh, he flies you know, well he, he flies I mean we fly from Newcastle yeah. I, I, a it's cheaper which is ridiculous so it's cheaper to fly um, business class uh, down, down to Heathrow and then across via uh, Heathrow Express. Um, it, I don't know, it may, maybe I've, I have a different experience. Maybe everywhere I go on a railway in the UK, I have a different experience to everybody else, right? Um, because I think it's terrible. Mm. I think I've travelled on railways throughout the world. Um, it's a sign of civilization. You have railways. If you look at a huge company, Columbia, which we know reasonably well, uh, that's got the least amount of railway track per head of population of any developed country, and it's held it back. So Bogota is, you know, away from everybody else, um, and that connectivity is lacked. That whereas somewhere like India has a lot of rail, etc. So. It's a force for democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Britain, that East Coast main line, which was you know the main main thoroughfare for for, for the nation, um, has just fallen into disrepair, and it is slower and bumpier than ever before. And it's no yeah. good sticking that Hitachi as your whatever train on it. It's still getting bounced around. It's like a, it's like a helter skelter. It's you know, it's ridiculous. But I think but as you found out, Mark, as well, you know, the new trains pull the lines down. They can't do that. You end up then stuck on the train. Well, stuck yeah. on the train or on a train where the rolling stock's about forty years old. Yeah. And is really substandard. Well, they pull the, they pull the lines down, and it, I mean, it costs them pull your trousers down. <laughs> I mean, you're getting you're getting charged more to go on a railway than you are on on, on the air. Mm-hmm. So sorry, environmentalists and, and things like this who, by the way, would stop you doing anything. So you just got to live in the cave from now on. You know, um, I'm not having anything. You know, not saying anything against them. It's just that they've got to right, live in the real world for now. But yeah, I mean, the you know, spend eight billion having to think about it, having to scratch your head. Mm. You know, and what are you getting now from? A, from a political point of view, <coughs> the exasperation of a lot of the public with politicians and the sort of elitist class which is burgeoned out of there 
is begin to cut in. I think you saw that with the cabinet reshuffle. It's a, I don't want to steal. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple of other considerations on, on the HS2 thing that are worth just mentioning as well. So the Birmingham connection, there's two things. One is there's a, it's actually quite flat. So you, you probably would start there because you could do that bit relatively cheaply and simply. The topography, once you get further north, becomes quite complicated and the cost was always going to sort of, it was never going to be a sort of nice steady increased cost. It was always going to go out of that the further north you go. Yeah. So I can sort of understand why they did it's start there. It's going isn't it? It's going yeah, and then you've got the, all that. <laughs> um, certainly going over some hills, I think, as well, through some hills. Um, Birmingham Mayor as well, I think there was a bit of political pressure lately as well. Andy Street's up for re-election, I think, as well, coming up soon. But that's a, quite a sort of a key consideration as well. So, and also it's about capacity. It's not just about speed. I mean, you are, what are you really saving in terms of time, which is the, the age-old argument of HS2. Um, is yeah, it really worth the time spend? But capacity is, if you've travelled on the east coast or the west coast, you know, you are crammed on like sardines and yeah. part of it is about relieving a bit of that. But these are larger but trains, are they? Hugely. 1,100 seats. Yeah, it's and you know, every 10 or 15 minutes or so yeah, another one. So frequent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it, there's no doubt it's a huge cost and sort of getting rid of the management around it is, is sort of... Uh, tells, tells it, you it'll be interesting as well to see the direction of travel. Because we talk well, north about and south, north, south, south. Yeah, yeah. Will it be south to north? <laughs> you know, or in Birmingham, will will people actually commute into London? Will it create more jobs for London yeah. and turn Birmingham into a suburb of London? Yeah. Well, you've seen a slightly different market. I know, say, where your investment hat on, you deal with the HSBC. Yeah, they move. Are they moving or move the headquarters? They've moved a lot of jobs out of London into Birmingham. Yeah. So, as you say, is it just going to sprawl up yeah. upwards now, or is it going to encourage more people to head into the capital yeah. um, with that? I think Peter was talking about you know the, 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 the costs, which are going to be great for HS2, or, or vast, I should say. Yeah. Um, what does that mean in terms of investment outlook, in terms of the UK? Is, is it good news that you know, we're, we're ploughing such a large amount of money into infrastructure? I think it is, Dan. If, if, if you look at the, the, the theme you've got of connectivity, there's a lot of events happened this week which are connected. If we take HS2, that will put money into the, the construction industry in the UK. It will create jobs. And the, the, when I heard the announcement, I thought about the T5 development at Heathrow. And just on, on the workforce, we had a lot of people, tradesmen from the northeast, who were working in T5, and we won't be an isolated region. We'll probably get on HS2 project a lot of people from around the UK picking up construction jobs. Yeah. And the, the 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 fact that the UK is now investing significant amounts in infrastructure, where you could say in the past we haven't. You know, we've just got to look abroad. We've spoken before about the our visit to China and the time we had in Hong Kong, when you see how infrastructure has been built up there, yeah. it, it, it has, there's two sides to it, of course. But if the UK can have a rail service, which is similar to Europe, similar to the bullet trains in Japan, similar to, to the, the Chinese effect, it, it could be good for the UK. And there's also other infrastructure projects which are planned. And when you look at some of the news that came out of the, you know, the, the UK had stagnated, the same, the GDP, had, it was zero growth for, for the last, last month. Well, when you look underneath those figures, services were up, construction was up, and it was the manufacturing side that was down. Right. So putting money back into the economy, like, mm. like the, the, the planned, will be good for the UK. Yeah, I read something yesterday, Daniel, I mean, it was yesterday, um, which, uh, but of course it was on page seven, because it was good news. Yeah. 
so um, which said that uh, last year UK was third highest GDP out of the G7 so US it rolled away continues to, to grow faster <coughs> than the rest of the G7 Canada following it a little bit and we were more or less on par with Canada so we've grew faster than Germany France and all the rest of them in the G7 um, and it's hidden away but we are and it was a poor last quarter so if the last quarter hadn't been so poor you know yeah. we would have been second um, in, in that in that league table uh, so it's, it's quite interesting um, what gets printed and what's getting across it, it definitely is David you know if you one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about HS2 today was the fact that underneath there's some really good news what Mark's talking about there about how we can uh, uh, help stimulate the, the, the economy yeah. like Peter and yourself were saying as well David as far as it's it's a statement of intent from the government to say look let's get Mm. A project done. Let's get it away. Let's get it done. Yeah, let's get it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, partly by the way, why you've got a new chancellor today? Because, of course, it was that news came out I think three weeks ago from the Treasury and Number Eleven that it was likely to go ahead, and that sort of stole Number Ten's uh, thunder. Yeah. I don't think they were quite ready to do that, and that's that's part of what, by the way, is behind yesterday. Not right. that's not necessarily that one event, but just this kind of steady sort of um, breakdown of trust and briefings and le leaks and all the rest of it. And that's why I think the tensions between those two have risen. Yeah. Um, and HS2 was, was sort of the I biggest mean, one, really. Yeah, there's been a lot of comment on it, uh, uh, some of which, in my opinion, is claptrap. You don't need a counterbalance. The, the, the number 10 and number 11 are supposed to be in the same team. They're supposed to be. It's not up to the Treasury to decide what we spend things on. It's not mm. their job, actually. You know, it's a job of government, it's a job of people to vote them in and they set a broad agenda and they deliver that and they deliver it and the Treasury spends money and so on and so forth. But, you know, the crazy, stupid situation you had with Tony Blair and, you know, Gordon Brown where he wasn't telling them anything in case Tony leaked it and stole thunder. The public would expect that what you have is one team. They wouldn't expect that you've got this lot over here fighting for something, which is how politics has gone on. In the thick of it, Peter can speak in, you know, because he was in that. You know, in, the, in the thick of it, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we autographed Peter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's pretty close to the mark. You know, it, it's hilarious to, to watch, especially as Scotsman guy, he's, he's got a really good turn of phrase, um, some of which you lot copy, I never ever swear. Well, <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm actually very pleased. I'm, uh, I wouldn't say ecstatic, but I'm really pleased that, uh, with the reshuffle. Mm -hmm. We know personally many of the people in that cabinet now. Um, and Sunak, you know, we have managed to get him promoted by <laughs> providing with the Freeport stuff, which we actually did. We did meet him a few years ago when he was yeah. just basically a backbench MP, but he'd, he'd, he'd got an interest in Freeports yeah. at the same time as we were talking about Freeports and what it could do for the sort of regional economy and we met him and we had a good chat with him. Um, clever guy, you know, he's, he is a smart guy. Um, it's a pretty sort of almost vertical rise to fame he's had. I mean, he, yeah. he was just a sort of fairly junior minister. Sort what of was his background ago. before that, Peter? Uh, he worked, he, he, he has worked okay. in investments. He's been involved with Goldman's in, in trading. Yeah. Um, he, 
it was in 2015, I think he took what was William Hague's seat in Richmond okay. in North yeah. Yorkshire. So he's a Northern um, sort of MP, and as I say, he's, uh, he's highly thought of. He, he's very well thought of inside number 10. Yes. Um, and I, my sort of take on yesterday, as I say, I think trusted probably, well, I know trusted broken down between the Chancellor and the PM, and, or, or more so their teams, let's yeah. say, behind that. Um, and I don't think, I think I said last week on the podcast that he would be not as safe as previous chancellors, but I didn't expect him to get the sack, and I don't think he didn't get the sack. He wasn't, that wasn't the plan yesterday to, to have that as the big story. That, I don't think that was ever on the cards, really, to do that. Um, so it's partly by accident, but a little bit by design, what's yeah. happened. I think it was more a case of you can keep your job, Sanjeev, but you're going to have to get on board with this new way of doing it, which is going to be one central team yeah. in number 10, dictating policy across all economic matters. And... You know, if he'd really wanted to keep his job, he would have probably accepted that. Um, I don't think Boris was looking to sack him at that moment. I think in the end, what happened, though, probably is he thought, this is my way out. You know, trust is broken down. I'm not really going to be, I'm going to be a, a sort of slightly um, less empowered chancellor going forwards. You know, this is, my, I can, this is my sort of easy way out where you haven't sacked me. Mm-hmm. I've not stormed out. It's just... Well, it's also put Cummins in charge of all... We have to remember that Cummins took the job on the basis that he would be in charge of the special advisors. They would report to him, mm-hmm. right? So that's what's happened. So, whether, yeah. so you know, if Sajid was on board and, if you like, in the tent, um, he would have known that. Mm. Um, I, I think that the fact that there's some animosity, uh, allegedly, between him and Cummings, fine. You know, um, I think this happens. We don't all like the people we're working with. Um, but they've got one goal, and that's Britain. Mm. So, you know, uh, I, what I think, Daniel, with, with all this and, and, and Mark, um, HS2, it's a lot of money. It's spread over, so it's not today, thank goodness. It's spread over a few years. It'll make money coming back in. But I, I think, you know, these big infrastructure products do have another effect. And, and Britain's place in the world, we have to once again remember, we're not a tiny economy. You know, we're one of the largest economies in the world. Uh, so, connectivity, free ports, one of our favourites. Yeah. And, 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 of course, that was announced today, sneaked out that there are going to be at least 10 free ports in the UK. Mm. And once again, people might say, well, how does that help us? Well, I think it, it may be worth... David, if, if, if you wouldn't mind, and, and Mark, Peter, jump in as well. Just giving the viewers and the listeners a definition of what a free port is, because it, it, it gets bandied around, but there's not a lot of explanation about it. Yeah, so it's essentially, it's a, uh, it doesn't need to be a port. It doesn't need to be a physical thing. It could be virtual in this day and age. It doesn't need to be a seaport. It could be an airport. It could just be a section. It would normally... Um, include an enterprise zone inside it or a special enterprise zone. There are free ports all over the world. So, for example, there's a free port in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think Nissan have, have got uh, a plant there. Um, it's the only plant which I think outperforms Sunderland in terms of productivity. I could be wrong on that, by the way. And does it just mean when goods come in, David, they're subject to special tariffs or when they they are subject to no tariffs at all okay. no VAT nothing so is a, it, an easy example if you were putting together in a sand car right in a free port 
Um, what happens to the tariff by, by European Union, which is, was it, as, it, as it was in the past, um, would be higher, say, on a Japanese radio than it would be on a German radio, which would be nil. Mm -hmm. So you bring that in, the tariff on there might be 25%, something ridiculous. Whereas the tariff on a car going out could be 10%. Yeah. So you can assemble things which have got much higher tariffs, put them together, and because you haven't paid the much higher tariffs as it's come into a free port, as it goes out, the, the, the economic effect is, uh, is positive. Yeah. Other things, I mean, not so much today in t today's economy where we've got Amazon and people like this delivering pretty quickly, but if you think of, of um, at Christmas time, so you get shops having, having to store goods, bring goods in, and it's because you know, there's, there's a rush on buy, buy a sofa for Christmas, you know, that kind of thing, as you know, Mark. Mm. I've got 12. Well, every year it gets <laughs> caught by the same advert. <laughs> Hope it comes sometime in September. Order now, in time for Christmas. What the hell would you want a sofa for for Christmas? Get a life. But if you've got 12, you've got 12. So I wasn't being cheeky, you know. <laughs> well, not really. Yeah. Anyway, um, because it's real, so you can't really be cheeky when, when somebody's done it. Um, so it, it would come into the free port. For example, it could be stored there, you haven't paid any VAT, you haven't paid anything on it, and the last minute it just, you only pay a tariff or VAT or anything as it goes out. So you could, inside that, of course, you could have totally free, you could have no corporation taxes. What you've got to be careful, obviously, is you're setting this up in competition <coughs> against something which isn't inside the free port in your own country. So um, that's why... I've People like the Treasury or others would be involved to try and mm. do the sums to make certain that it gives us a, an advantage worldwide, but not a dis disadvantage. The advantage of them as well is just by, well, by design and by a bit of fluke, the ports are located around the country in areas that are most disadvantaged. Right. So when you, if you're trying to create sort of a reason to locate a business and to attract manufacturing businesses in, or just even to sort of warehousing, but to create jobs, then the, the good news is that the places like Blythe, Teesport, where you know, there is a bit of regeneration needed. And as David says, the idea is these companies come across, manufacture the good inside the free port, which as David says is not just has, not the physical port itself, but it can be the area around that. Yeah. And then it's shipped yeah. out and the company's paid no tariff because they've just built the product yeah. and sold it abroad. Or it comes into the UK mainland and there's a tariff when it crosses that new border, if you like. Yeah. So you can manufacture the product at very low cost, um, which is obviously advantageous yeah, to businesses. You couldn't have them when we were in the European Union, uh, so we wrote this report before um, you know, all, all these things came about. Um, we looked um, at the UK as a whole. Um, Teesport actually won hands down has been the primary area for a free port. If you only have one, that's it. So, you know, from, from Newcastle, you think Port of China, something's bigger, Teesport. Dwarfs it, um, uh, so you, you know there are lots of advantages there. Strange enough, uh, Simon Clark, mm -hmm. who we know well, um, has now become minister for levelling up. He did the foreword on our yeah. report. He's so an he MP for Middlesbrough, yeah, South okay. East Cleveland, and he's now, as I say, as David has taken on the the role of the no Northern Powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Now gets more talked about levelling up, but. That's his, uh, that's his new job as of yesterday. So uh, I suppose just trying to summarise things a wee bit in terms of 
there should be a, a local advantage in terms of you know more jobs, more money being spent around there, and then a more international trading advantage in terms of how we can export our goods and you know the price we can we can we, well the we price can they can bring them in and yeah. so they'll be able to sell more goods. Yeah, um, you could of course bring something into a, a free port as assemble it mm. and send it back out without it touching here and that would be a huge advantage. And that's the idea. So yeah. if you're, if you're a, an American or a Canadian or a whatever you know, business manufacturer and you were thinking I want to locate my, a plant somewhere in Europe, you'd obviously be drawn to a free port. Yes. And there aren't any on mainland Europe, as David says, if you're in the customs union you can't do it because you've all got to apply the same external tariff on anything coming into the European Union. Being out of it means we can dictate I mean, It's amazing, something. once again, in, in the newspapers, you know, they're saying, well, you can have these in, in Europe, and you go, and there's one, no, there isn't one there, and there isn't one there, and there isn't one anywhere, um, because you can't actually, because of European rules and regulations, you could never set one up. Yeah. Because if, if, if under their rules, if you do something which disadvantages a company, never mind a country, that company can go to European yeah. go to Brussels and hold you up for four or five years. So, you know, going through things and they'll always win. So if it's a penny a cheaper in, I don't know, T-Sport to do something, then it's no. Yeah. So they, they say, oh, you can have one here, but well, why hasn't anybody got any there? Um, so it, it's a, the one size fits all approach of Europe, which obviously killed them, killed, uh, killed Greece, you know, um, and would have killed us eventually because we're... Yeah, and I think doing away with that one size all, it's good for all approach was behind some of the, the, the thinking with Brexit as well, which is well, it, putting us on our own path and putting us back in control mm-hmm. of our own. Linking back to the connectivity thing, I think the free port is good actually because it, it's, it's another way of connectivity in the, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Looking more internationally, you know, and, and bringing it on to the ever-prevailing topic, Mark, of the, the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, you may think, what's that got to necessarily do with HS2 and things? HS2 is all about freedom of movement. You know, it's about, I think as David said, the mark of a civilised nation as well, being able to get people around the country to, to work, to move, to, mm-hmm. to, to have leisure time. If you look at China, you know, huge infrastructure play, you know, in terms Absolutely. of airports, ports, railways, roads and everything being yeah. built up. And you almost see the, the, the backfire of too much con- connectivity when you look at something like the coronavirus where they're going to lock entire cities down. Yeah. Um, has it meant much with the markets this week, Mark? Well, it, there's, there's been a pullback, Danny. It, it, this week, as, as David was saying, a lot of the good news is hidden, hidden on page 7 or 8. We've got to remember that this week European markets and US markets hit all-time high right. midweek, but they've come back a little bit because of concerns over the actual numbers of people who have been affected by the coronavirus and it's starting to have a little bit of an effect. You've got the assembly lines, the connectivity, the, the, the concept, the, the modern concept of just-in-time deliveries. If it's just in time and you're, you're, you're relying on components coming from China, you, you can have manufacturing problems. Yeah. And we've seen this in the US with General Motors, we've seen Nissan, We've had it for the first time in the UK just yesterday where JCB was saying that they're going to um, 
there's going to be no more overtime, they're reducing working hours because 25% of the components coming from China, the factories are still closed. Yeah. They haven't gone back after the extended Lunar New Year holiday. So it is more than just-in-time manufacturers that are having to bear the brunt of it at the moment. Yeah, I suppose a bit of trivia even, Mark, linked with that is uh, face masks. Yes, so I was just yes. reading about it today. So obviously, the panic buying of face masks is meant in the UK that the 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 Union of Dentists or whoever it is have said they're going to have to um, the union. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to limit services. Dentists every time they give a treatment have to wear a face mask, and yeah. they actually can't buy enough no face, face masks. masks at the moment so well, I, I think more importantly for you Dan you won't be able to get your nails done tomorrow no and that is a problem Mark because that's yeah. my Saturday treat we, we were, uh, we're, Dave and I were in um, Heathrow yesterday and we saw a lot more people walking around with the sort of fabric masks yeah, on, but there was yeah. one chap in the departure lounge who had a I mean he'd, he'd obviously spent a bit of money because it, it was this huge big mask with all the kind of like filters and the green vents sticking out it was yeah. almost like you should almost like a helmet that's mm. pretty good. I mean, he'd obviously invested quite a bit of money yeah. in that one. Yeah. No corona for him. Well, yeah. I'm, nothing for him. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he would yeah. eat. But, but I, I think, Dan, there's a report. I, I just heard it as before we came in here, um, interviewing or questioning uh, somebody in China. And the, the, the question he put was, is there any indication from China yet just how long this will last? Yeah. And you think, oh, yeah, it's going to last seven and a half days. Yeah. You know, how can they possibly how tell? They possibly, the Chinese yeah. are doing what they can to, well, to contain this. I thought this. it was interesting, Mark, when you see British Airways, for instance, have announced they're cancelling March and April flights yeah. now into yeah. Beijing and Shanghai as well. Yeah. And you feel like saying, how do you know? And, Mark, you mentioned that the rest of the markets are almost popping corona yeah. aside a little bit. You, know, you mentioned about European markets, US markets. I think the, the one factor that I noticed last week was about the US markets. The consumer is still healthy. This is the message you keep getting out there. It's, it's something that you hear, but the stats actually prove that. Mm -hmm. In the US, unemployment is at its low, lowest level for mm -hmm. you know, 50 years. Last, in January, we created two, or they created 225,000 new jobs. So it's, it's buoyant. Um, you've got the, Jay Powell had his uh, semi-annual briefing to Congress. He said, yes, he's watching what's happening in China, but he's not too concerned about it. Um, and again stated that the job market in the US is very strong. Um, his biggest critic though had a different view on the speech because the, his, uh, his tweet came out whilst Powell was addressing Congress. <laughs> Go on, name Mr. Trump, and I'll read this. President Trump, Trump, should say. President President Trump yeah. who has 50 million followers on Twitter, so he does get his message out to, to people. When Jerome Powell started his testimony today, the Dow was up 125 points and heading higher. As he spoke, it drifted steadily downward, as usual, and is now at minus 15. <laughs> so you can see that, that, that somebody is watching every word yeah. that Powell says mm -hmm. in public and is challenging, yeah. challenging it. But as I say, the labor market in the US is mm -hmm. in good shape, and as long as that continues, you can see, yeah. you can see the, the, the markets continuing to ride Mark, high. I had a question about the, the pound yesterday, when, going back to the reshuffle, when the chancellor yeah. left, the pound went up. The pound went why, up. Peter. Why would that be the case? Well, they were feeling that there would be less, less of a fear of interest rate cuts in the UK, Peter. Mm. And they're looking at the um, expenditure, the, the expenditure on infrastructure. And not only did we have HS2, you also yeah. had the, the news coming out that there is a, a project mm. in early stages to build a bridge between Scotland and Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And you know, and so what they factored in that the Sajid Javi might have been a bit of a break on that. Exactly. And now the rains exactly. Are off. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. The bridge is back on. The bridge is back on. That's not a bridge from nowhere to nowhere. Well. No, it's not. It's not. No, <laughs> no it's two yeah. very great nations. And that's what and maybe saw. one nation. And I think what, what I asked Peter to do, but I don't think he's done it, just to, you know, was to go back over the last few podcasts um, to our sort of limited pre predictions. And I think you see some of them mm -hmm. actually. Um, mm. Come off, so yeah. No, I did. I have done it. You have done. Oh, well, oh, well, the good news is I was quite right, but I mean, yeah, all right. You know, okay. You mustn't have wanted to embarrass us, though. Yeah. <coughs> so. You were miles off, but yeah. <laughs> I think you know we uh, broke the news about Sinn Fein probably going to have a bigger say. Yeah, we did. Uh, and mm. you know, Freeport is another one that we've mentioned. Um, HS2 we mentioned. Yeah. You know, uh, so we didn't mention Sajid losing his job. You know. Okay. Uh, and I think maybe maybe a subject, oh, gen gentlemen, for next week will be uh, the new chancellor because we're a budget mark. How many Four days weeks. away? Four, Four weeks, weeks away. Yeah. yeah. 11th of so I think it'll be good to start to really trail what we think or, or start making some predictions about what we'd like to see in a budget and what, what may come along. So probably one for next week, gentlemen, I think. <laughs> probably, probably feels a nice time to, to wrap up, gentlemen. I, I think... Um, Peter, I know you, you asked a question last week, so I'm, I'm going to steal one of your ideas. I'm Go going on. to ask a question of the audience who have been Valentine's Day. What's been the number one selling Valentine's item? So, Mark? Poor Dan. <laughs> no? Roses. <laughs> Roses? David? Oh. What, <laughs> what, what time is this going out? <laughs> I, I just bought a very nice card. For me. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day from me to me. For me, yeah. Yes, Peter, any idea? Chocolates. Plain it's, safe. No, it's bling rings from Poundland. Oh, yes. <laughs> 40,000 bling rings have been sold. Yeah. Finally, in terms of Valentine's Day again, we'll put you on the spot, Peter. Are you buying a love sausage from Marks and Spencer's for tonight? Uh, I don't even know what one is. It's a yeah. sausage. Marks and Spencer's. It's a... It's a, it's a it's a store in a high street, Marks and Spencer. Is it really? Do yeah. they do good suits? Well, that's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark, a love, uh, Peter, a, a love sausage is a sausage in the shape of a heart. Oh, right. So it's very romantic. Right, okay. So it's, they uh, do a vegan version. Uh, I don't know, Mark. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to be in with the vegans, yeah. uh, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, Peter, David, uh, Mark, thank you as well for your input. Something else to watch out for, ladies and gentlemen, the investment management team are publishing a blog later this afternoon about HS2, so it'll be further follow-up from our own thoughts. Um, also, if you have any questions, start to really pop them in to, to the YouTube or to, to our uh, Apple site. Um, I think Peter mentioned this last week. And what really what we'd like to start to do with this podcast is probably once a month start to address some of those questions and deal with that as our main topic. So please start to bring them in, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Gentlemen, thank you very much. Yep. Um, everybody, enjoy Valentine's Day. Watch out for Storm Dennis. This watch out for sausages. Well. And watch out for sausages. Yep. Thanks, everybody. High speed sausage. Two. <laughs> Two. <laughs>